0: Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your
1: Bibles, please, this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and give me an amen once you are there. And so, Father, you told the Apostle Paul, in your weakness, my strength is perfected. Lord, we're weak this morning, we're tired, you know we are. We have no strength in and of ourselves. But Lord, you are our mighty God who made the heavens and the earth. The wind reminds us, that powerful rushing wind reminds us of the power of the Holy Spirit that you give to us, your children, to have supernatural strength, something the world does not understand or can receive. But we as your children can cry out for supernatural strength and you give it to us. Lord, I pray for that this morning for all of us that you would speak to us as we study your word. There's no God but you. You are good and worthy of all praise. Please speak to us. Give us humble hearts, Lord. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. Amen. All right. So as you know, in this section of scripture, the Apostle Paul has not been praising the Corinthian church. In other places he did, but in, in this section, he has not been praising them because they were dealing with carnal uh, you know carnality they, they were uh, divisive towards one another not loving towards one another they had factions among themselves so much so that when they got together for their potlucks or their agape feast uh, they would cut in line they would uh, you know uh, leave the hungry brethren hungry and unable to get a plate and 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 they would be embarrassed and Others were drinking and getting drunk, if you can believe that, at these church gatherings. And so the apostle Paul is saying, I, I can't praise you for this. This is bad. Rather than coming together for good, you're coming together for the worse. And so he he hits them on these things. And uh then he also hit them on the Lord's Supper. He said to them that they were not discerning the Lord's body when they took communion, when they looked at the looked back at the cross and towards his future return, and the taking of communion. Man, they they were not right. He said, you're not discerning the Lord's body when you come together. He says, you better examine yourself. If you eat of this in an unworthy manner, if you're unloving, if you're selfish, if you're seeking your own will and not caring about the brethren, how ridiculous is it for you to take communion? Examine yourself. Get right, he said. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And he says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, he said to them, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep or die. And so he says to the church that, you know, many of them are weak because why? Because they're not loving each other the way they should. When our Lord Just before he died on the cross for our sins, he told them a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. In in, in fact, he said to them, all will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. It means so much to God that we love each other that if we don't, he makes sure that things don't go right in our lives. We have to love each other with sincere love. We have to make things right with our brethren, not hold grudges, not gossip. Not talk Masa, but be right. Because some have been taken out of life, basically. Some have even died. And so Paul is saying, you know, to the church, I don't praise you, but change. Do better. In fact, he ends uh, last chapter by saying, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. Be considerate to others. Think about others. And we know that it's impossible in our flesh to love each other this way. It's impossible. You can't do it. And I cannot do it. We kind of love our own. We kind of love people in our, in our little groups. But in reality, God wants us to love outside of our group, our, our whole church and the love with, with sincere love. And how can that? happen, but by the supernatural strength that God provides as we love Jesus first. If you love Jesus first, if I love Jesus first, then that love will spill over to others. And we can tell where we're at with our love for God by our lack of love or our love for others. If we love good, then we know that we've been, we're, we're in a right spot with the Lord. So he said, care for one another, wait for one another. And then he goes into spiritual gifts here in chapter 12. Now think about it. When it comes to spiritual gifts, it's the same thing with their church gatherings. Their church gatherings, they were divided. They, it wasn't about building each other up. They were all into themselves. When it comes to spiritual, the spiritual gifts that God gives his church, in the same way, they're meant for love. They're meant to build up the church. They're meant to spread the gospel. They're meant to help each other. They're meant to profit each other. They are not meant to make you someone famous or popular. They're not meant to make you look cool to everybody. And I, I say this, and I, I, you guys are are great and I love you guys, but our flesh is so wicked that it wants to be seen by people as being spiritual. Jesus made himself of no reputation. Our Lord was the most spiritual person who ever lived. And yet the Bible says that he made himself of no reputation. He wasn't uh, boastful. He wasn't puffed up or proud. He was humble and meek and lowly. And that's the heart of one who follows Jesus. That's where it should be in humility. The gifts of the spirit are not there so that it can build our reputation or make us someone awesome. It's there for that glory of God and for the help of others. It's the same theme with their gatherings. It's about God and others and for the glory of God and to build each other up. But so are the spiritual gifts. And he says here in verse one, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And that's a good word. God doesn't want us to be ignorant. About the supernatural gifts that he gives us, the supernatural talents that he gives us. They are not our gifts. They are God's gifts. He gives them to us, right? As a gift, as a, as a blessing for his uses. But what they are, are, it's, it's supernatural strength. It's not of this world. See, that's the difference between what the world doesn't have and what we have. We have accessibility to God who control, who can control the storms, who can calm them, the oceans, the mountains, you name it, the climate, everything. God is the creator God. He can handle anything. And, and it's through him that we receive these gifts in order to build ourselves and others up within the body of Christ for his glory. They are meant to help us do the ministry. They are meant to help us spread the gospel. They are not meant for ourselves. In Ephesians uh, 4, if you'll turn there with me, please, we'll just read really quick that section of Scripture uh, that mentions what our Lord did when he ascended into heaven. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, give me an amen once you are there. He says, Paul says to the Ephesian church, but to each one of us, grace, that's unmerited favor. You didn't earn it. God didn't give it to you because you were good. It's, he, ge- he gives these things to us because he is good, because he is merciful. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He released the captives and he, and gave gifts to men. That's what he did. So when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day for our justification and then ascended to the right hand of the father, it says that he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to all of us, his children who would put our faith and trust in him, who would follow him. He gave men gifts. That's what it says here. And it says, now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. That's when he preached in Abraham's bosom. He who Descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Listen to this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so there Paul tells the church, the Ephesian church, that the gifts were given by his grace in order to build unity, in order that we would grow in knowledge and understanding so that we're not tricked by every wind of doctrine, by the cunning craftiness of man out there. God does not want us to be deceived. He doesn't want us to be afraid with everything that comes out in the news. He wants us to be solid and strong and to have our focus on his word. And he wants the the body of Christ, the church, to use its gifts to build each other up so that we grow in maturity. So the gifts are there in order for the church to grow in maturity. They are not there so that we can look awesome in front of people. I'm telling you, I say this. And, it, and, it, and it's sad that I have to say this, but like I said, I know my flesh. I know people's flesh. I've been around for some time. I've been a Christian for 24 years. I know what the flesh wants. The flesh wants the praises of men, the recognition of men. The, the flesh wants people to know that we're super spiritual. But in reality, if you think that you're super spiritual, it only proves that you are not. He who thinks he is something when he is nothing deceives himself, the Bible says. There is only one who is spiritual, and that is Jesus Christ. And so back to our text. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The gifts are so awesome. The power is available from your God and mine for you, for your life. Why would we ever not tap into that power? Why would we be ignorant? ignorant of it we should be those who who know about the gifts who know how uh we can receive them from the lord so that we can live the abundant life that christ has called us to live too many of us are are, are living impotent spiritually impotent lives just without power without passion without you know uh, zealousness without any works it's all just church stuff we gotta do we gotta hear and do you know what i mean So concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. He says, then, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these, or let me repeat that. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Now that sounds like he's just making a quick turn into another topic here. He's talking about spiritual gifts. And then he says, well, you know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols. Why so? Because when it comes to the spiritual gifts, they must be practiced in God's order, for God is a God of order. Amen? And we see crazy things happening in churches around that are so disorderly, so unbiblical. People flipping and flopping like fishes on the floor saying they were slain in the spirit, twitching and turning and doing all kinds of crazy things that looks more like pagan worship than it does godly worship. Amen. It look it doesn't look right. And so what he's saying to the Corinthian churches, when it comes to the spiritual gifts, when you were non-believers, you practice, you followed these dumb idols, but you were led. You were led. And can you imagine how that worship looked like? The chanting, the cutting, the sexual immorality that was going on at these Corinthian temples with the temple prostitutes. Like what did it all all entail? The candle burnings, the the animal sacrifices, so much weird stuff going on. And so he's, he's reminding them, you came from that, but you were led. And it was dumb. And I think it's good to acknowledge, as the Bible says, that they were dumb idols. In order to move forward, we must come to the realization that the things of our old life, the things that we used to believe in, in reality, they never helped us. They could never help us. Thus, the word dumb, ineffective, couldn't help. In fact, the psalmist wrote, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands, They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. The idols of this world are dumb. They can shape them to look like they have ears, but those ears can't hear. They have mouths, but the mouths don't speak. They have noses, but the noses don't smell. They have feet, but they do not walk. Those who make them actually have more power than the idols that they make because their ears can hear, their eyes can see, their feet can walk, but the little statues that they worship, they can't do any of that. But spiritually, those idols can't help people, they're dumb. And those who put their trust in them, Paul says, it's not good. You were led astray. Acknowledge it. There is just one God. Follow God. That is where life is, the creator. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting turn as well. It's like three kind of different things, but they do, they are tied together because there were false teachers in Corinth who claimed to believe on Jesus Christ. However, they were cursing him by denying his humanity. That was a problem in the early church. They believed, yes, Jesus is deity. Yes, he's God, but he's not, he was never human, human. And then there were others who believed, no, he was fully human, but he was not deity. The Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness, they, those cults there, they, they diminished the deity of Jesus. There were false teachers diminishing the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was both fully God and fully human. Amen. But they were claiming Jesus, they were false teachers, and he's saying to them that no one can, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And that's true. When we are truly born again of the Spirit, when we have truly given our life to Jesus Christ, we not only... we're not only changed from the inside out. We are not only transmitted from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But there's no way with the Spirit of God in us that we can curse the Lord. This is why there's been so many amazing martyrs in the history of the church who by the power of the Holy Spirit would not we can't their faith in Christ. Women and children would not would rather be burned at the stake, eaten by lions, shot in the head, heads chopped off. Why? Because the spirit of God in us, we cannot, we will not. We would rather die than to curse the Lord. The Lord would say it's because the Spirit of God is in you and you cannot curse him. It's legit, it's serious. You think about um, Peter in that time in Matthew chapter 16 at Caesarea Philippi. And, and I've been there in Israel. You, it, it's, it, they have these little uh, uh, caves where they, with these little uh, nooks in them where they would put little false gods, there, little pagan gods there. And, and so it was in that scenery that Jesus uh, came to them, to the disciples, and said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of of the living God and Jesus answered and said to him blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven his spirit in us lets us know that we know exactly who he is and we cannot curse him because we have the spirit of God in us and then he also says in the same with the same frame of thought he says and uh And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. At the same time, no one can legitimately say that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Legitimate means the demons believe in him, right? And they they can confess and believe that he is, but they don't worship him. We worship him by the Spirit of God. And so it's only by the Spirit of God that we can truly say Jesus is Lord and mean it. Many say Jesus is Lord and they do not mean it. Jesus, maybe he's Savior, but he sure is not master of my life. I want to, by the Spirit of God, say he is both my Lord, my Savior, my friend, my King, and I am his servant. By the Spirit of the Lord, I can say that and mean that. And that's what, what he No one who truly loves him. I mean, you, you, he who truly loves Jesus can say that by the Spirit. And that's where we want to be. Jesus would say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and not do the things which I say. Oh, Lord, help us by your Spirit to do the things that you say. We need to do the things that Jesus says. Like never before. What does he say? Do it. Why? Because pastor says it. If you do it because I tell you to do it, it ain't going to work. You have to do it because you love Jesus. I'll do it because I love Jesus. If my mama don't love him and my papa don't love him, it doesn't matter. If my kids don't love him, if I know my spouse don't love him, I'm going to love Jesus for Jesus. I love Jesus. Amen. No one else has to love him. I, will, I So help me God by his spirit, I'll do what he says because I love him. And if no one follows me, that's cool. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to say here, speaking of the gifts, he says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, the same, the Holy Spirit. The word for diversities is diuresis, 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 that sounds more Greek. <laughs> diariesis, you know. <laughs> where are the olives? Where's the pita? Right, diversities, right? Uh, diariesis, which means making a particular distinction. It's where where my brother was sharing with me, we get the word of, uh, for dialysis, where, you know, speaking of the kidney and how the kidney uh, makes distinctions and, and, and purifies or filters, if you will god the holy spirit he gives the the gifts of the spirit selectively as the body needs for that particular time and place i believe the gifts all the gifts are for today don't get me wrong but what i'm saying here is that the lord knows what's needed when it's needed and he gives those gifts that are needed what is needed People will say, we need this, we need that. We need this gift, that gift, this gift, that gift. Uh, but God has an opinion too. It's my church, and this is what the church needs for this time. Crazy. That's what it means there. Diversities. Oh, yeah, people have said
0: Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m., we